Hello and welcome to another episode of Non-Player Conversations. I am your host, Shantae Daniels, and I am by myself. <laughs> I am alone. There is no guest other than me, which is why I'm rambling. So, uh, I figured since the season is over, all eight episodes of season one of the podcast is over, I thought we could sit down and talk about... I guess how that went and how I feel and any questions that you all have for me. So this is the very first bonus episode of non-player conversations, or as I like to call it, the walkthrough. So before we get to your questions, I wanted to sit down and talk about how I felt about the season as a whole. As many of you already know, I'm new to the world of podcasting. I participated in the very first Spotify SoundUp Bootcamp in June of 2018. It was a week-long intensive training on the basics of making a podcast. So we talked about what equipment to use, we had guests talk about how to find guests, how to create questions to have a good episode. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> every, Honestly, every day kind of felt like working a full-time job and then doing it all over again and, you know, finding time to eat, finding time to compress, talk to your loved ones. Um, this was also in New York, by the way, and I'm not from New York. Um, so, uh, also, I don't like New York. <laughs> Mostly the city, and I say that as a New Jerseyan, um, so maybe I just have a personal gripe with the city, but I'm just not a fan. So, although the pizza's great. So, it was just a lot, and I'm incredibly thankful for it. I'm incredible, incredibly thankful for the people that I met, the other women that were part of the Sound Up boot camp. Um, who are also working to make their podcasts. I'm thankful for the coaches, um, the Spotify team, everyone that made this bootcamp come to be and who selected me and my little idea um, to be, you know, there. <laughs> it's a lot. It's very emotional for me. So I'm coming from a little idea to a bootcamp and then that same year creating the podcast. So it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's been a lot. And originally I wanted 10 episodes in the first season, but uh, I found that finding two other guests were really hard. And once I got to eight and I'd emailed people and, you know, tweeted at them, things like that. But I realized, you know what? This is my first season. I'm incredibly new at this. I also have other things to do because this isn't my full-time job and eight will work. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I'm very proud of that. I was originally a little disappointed that I couldn't get a full 10 because that's how I pitched it to Spotify. That's how I was pitching it to my friends. That's how I saw it in my brain. So it felt a little bit like I was lowering my expectations, but that's not at all the case. Um, I was just being realistic and I wanted, I'd rather have eight great episodes than 10 bleh, meh episodes. And so I'm really proud of the ones that we, that we made. I say we as if it's more than one person. Although, I mean, with the guests, every episode is only as good as, as its guest. And I love every guest that I got for this episode. I'm very thankful for them. So 
I talked a little bit about my background in the little teaser trailer, but I've been writing about video games since 2014, so it'll be five years. I don't know what day, what month I started in 2014, so let's just say it's been five years. Um, I was thinking about games well, well, well before that, but 2014 for me is when I really started to see games seriously. Uh, I played games since I was a child. As you heard in the episode with my mom, I've been playing games since I was like a little baby. Um, so games have always been a part of my life. That's how I bonded with my mom. I used to play games with my sisters all the time. It's something I've always come to know as a fun thing, something I've always been pretty obsessed with. But it wasn't until 2014, I was a senior in college, and I was starting to realize that I, not only am I having fun playing games, but I'm also starting to think about games in ways other than, hey, I want to play this game. My thinking started to be more about the plot in a game, the characters in the game, the environment. I started to think about it artistically, um, which I think in 2014, a lot of people started thinking about games artistically. Not to say that wasn't the case well before then, because yes, obviously, but I think game journalism started to change at that point in time as well, where game journalism was very much about what games to play, how are the controls, how are the mechanics, is it fun? And there became the shift in journalism where it's talked more about the cultural importance and what does this game have to say about the world? What is it not saying about the world? So I think that's enough about me. How about we move on to some of our questions that we got. Thank you everyone who asked me questions. I very, very, very much appreciate it. So the first question comes from a friend. Actually, all these questions come from friends. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, this first one comes from a friend, Barbara. Hello, thank you. She asks, how do you find time to record this for real? So... <laughs> I guess this I guess this requires a little bit more background. For anyone who does not know, I am currently in graduate school. Um, I am part of the creative writing program for poetry. I, uh, as part of that program, I also teach, and that just started this semester. So last semester, I was just taking uh, four classes, three classes, one of those numbers. <laughs> And now this semester I'm taking the same amount of classes, but I am also teaching a class. So, um, my, you know, my schedule is kind of busy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, the serious answer is that I schedule, <laughs> schedule, schedule, schedule is, it is your best friend. So the best thing about classes is that you always know when you have the class and you may not know how long homework takes but you can give an estimate. And also the great thing about graduate school is that I only have each class once a week. So I can schedule when to do homework each day. I don't need to do all of my homework in one, one day. I have a lot of time. All those episodes that you heard were uh, recorded months before they were um, ever published, except for maybe one or two that were recorded and then maybe two weeks later they were published. But for the most part, I started recording back in 
well, to be honest, since I said my mom was actually the first person I recorded, and I recorded her immediately after I came back from Spotify because I was so pumped. I was so pumped. I was like, I'm going to record you as soon as I get home. And so that was actually in July, I guess. And um, <laughs> that episode did not, was not, that episode needed a little bit more help, which is why if you listen to the episode with my mom, there are actually two days of, uh, of recording because I went back when I felt like I had better questions under my belt, but she was a great guinea pig <laughs> and uh, I'm very thankful for that. But as I mentioned, a lot of the guests were asked to be on the show. The episodes were recorded months, well, months before um, the, those episodes ever came out. So the next question comes from uh, Kelsey, another friend. Hello, hey, hey. How do you find your guests? So I have basically one place where I found all of my guests and where I continue to find my guests. And that place is Twitter. I am always on Twitter. I'm always looking for new people. I'm always looking for new perspectives, new thoughts, new voices. And as much as Twitter can suck, absolutely, it's also just a great place where people have um, come, (laughs) you know, like there are just a lot of great people and interesting people there that are promoting their stuff and, and I want to retweet them and I want to give them a like. And also I want to ask them to be on my podcast. So the next two questions actually come from Kelsey as well. So I figured since she had all of the great questions, (laughs) we'll just bang them out. So the next question is, where do you gain inspiration for your talking points? That's a really great question. My inspiration comes mainly from my guests because I want each episode to highlight them and show what they do well, what they care about. I try to gear my questions on what they do, what they know, and basically I try to act as if I know nothing about what they do and I use myself as a student to say, please educate me um, on, on things that you love. And so... I try to write questions that they have maybe never heard before and uh, sometimes these questions, you know, I'm sure they've heard these types of questions before. Like if you're asking someone about cosplay, I'm sure they've, they've been asked how much does it typically cost to make a cosplay. And I think those questions are fine. Um, sometimes they're necessary to go through those things again, but I also try to make sure my talking points are new and fresh and, uh, give my, my guests a chance to really shine and just talk about the stuff that they know. Um, another thing I focus on with my talking points is I try to make, I try to make the, each episode an inspirational episode, um, hearing someone you know, create an amazing cosplay or hearing someone overcome the challenges of cooking a meal or playing esports. I try to have these be moments where it's like, look how awesome this person is. Um, Because there's just so much negativity in the world and there's so much hatred. And I'm very much someone that tries to combat that with positivity and um, love. Uh, so so those are really, that's kind of the inspiration for my talking points. I, I try to have it be geared towards them. The next question is, who are your favorite writers of any kind? Okay. Ugh. So as far as poetry goes, 
I love, and I highly recommend these people, by the way. My favorite poets are Lee Young Lee and Natasha Trethewey. Those are the two that when I was in undergrad and I was starting to really focus on poetry and thinking about going to graduate school for poetry, those two authors really kept me going and they really inspire me in how they write about family and history and language and race. There's so much there. Um, and then video game writers, um, I would say that I love Supergiant Games. That's the company, Supergiant. They created the games Bastion, Transistor, um, Pyre, and they also have a game out called Hades. And I can't pinpoint who exactly is the writer for that company, but I think that is a company, a gaming development team that really thinks about story in really interesting ways. So the next comment comes from Ivy in Austin. Hi, Ivy. So she talks about how to find a game to try if she doesn't really have experience with games. And in, in her comment, she mentions, you know, having to learn a new game and how intimidating it can feel learning a new game. Uh, and to that, I say, even though I have you know, years experience playing games and writing about games. I still see a game sometimes that just looks like it, it has a lot to learn and I go away from it. Um, they're intimidating. There are games that require a lot of time from you, basically. Um, and that's a really hard question because I don't think there is a good solution for everyone. I think this is more of a personal thing. I would say if there's a game that seems very interesting to you, then I would encourage you to try to sit down and learn it. But I don't think I don't think you have to do that for every game. I don't think, you know, if you see a game that looks intimidating and it doesn't vibe with you, don't even play it. Like it it's it's fine. Um but I understand the question is kind of like how to get past that intimidation um let's say there's a game you are you are really interested in but it looks very scary to play um that just requires time it requires you to sit down and and there is a bit of vulnerability in learning a new game that i think doesn't necessarily translate the same way in reading a book because you know, if you're reading a book in English, for example, even if it's an entirely different book, entirely different author, there are a lot of ways where you're reading in the same way that you've always read. You're reading English the same way that you've always read English. Maybe the sentences are different, but there are things you've come to expect. And so you may not feel the same intimidation reading a new book because you have other experience reading books under your belt, reading sentences under your belt. There, reading is something we were all taught to do. Um, and that doesn't mean people don't get intimidated because surely there are still people who, you know, don't find pleasure in reading books, who don't feel that same pleasure of reading a book. But if you, if you sit down and think about if you want to get into games more, I would really encourage you playing games that, you know, don't require you have this gigantic controller. Um, it doesn't require you to know 
button layout, anything like that. There are tons of fun games where all you need is a mouse and a keyboard for a computer. Um, you know, maybe you do know how to use a controller. Maybe this game only has like one button that you need to use and maybe the joystick. There are lots of simple games like that that I would encourage people to play. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a few suggestions for games that I think aren't um, that intimidating or if they are intimidating, perhaps after playing them, you'll feel a little better. You'll feel like you have a little bit more under your belt. First of all, I would say if you have a console, uh, I would highly recommend a Nintendo console. Nintendo games tend to be the kindest, the nicest, the ones that require the fewest buttons. Um, sometimes they have motion controls, which can be a little bit of a problem as you, if you listen to the episode with Brawly Legs, where we talked about how motion control can be a problem for people with disabilities. Um, there's still that, that problem there, but perhaps motion controls could help you. Um, and if not, like I mentioned, there's still, you know, little button controls. So the Super Mario Bros. series, there's a bunch of them, is always a great fun game that just requires running and jumping. And I, I recommend it for anyone that wants to try games. I mean, Mario is one of the first games I ever learned to play. And I still think it's an incredibly fun game, incredibly enjoyable even as an adult. So I really recommend those types of games. If you are looking outside of Nintendo, maybe you're looking for a computer game because not everyone has a console and consoles are expensive. I would really recommend you looking into a computer that can play play computer games. I unfortunately do not know specs. I do not know logistics. So I can I don't think I can necessarily recommend you a great gaming laptop, but a lot of regular laptops are able to play certain games. So I would recommend to you a, it's a game that is technically a first person shooter, but in, not in the same way that you may think of a first person shooter. And that is Portal 2. So Portal 2 is a puzzle game where you create portals um, from one place to the other. That's how you solve problems. It's a very fun game. Um, you can play it cooperatively with someone else. You can play it by yourself. But I think that's a great introduction to using a mouse and keyboard if you're on the computer. Um, you can use a controller for that game as well. But it's very simple. It's, you know, not a lot of high stakes. Very, if you like a puzzle game, if you like feeling smart, play it. <laughs> Another computer game I'm thinking of is Firewatch. This one is a story heavy game. A lot of walking, again, walking and jumping, kind of like Mario, kind of like Portal as well. Um, but this one is more story driven. So a lot of the things you do will be based off of what the story wants you to do and how you react to that. It's a very simple game, pretty short as well. You won't have to spend 60 hours or more to beat this game. And I think the story is very compelling. Um, I really recommend it. I, I also think it's very pretty. It has this orangey red vibes um, because it's about people who are stationed in a nature center, like outdoors, because they are watching for fires. So it is, it's really interesting. Another game I'd like to recommend that is kind of story driven, very environmental, very little controls and very fun is a game I've actually never played before. <laughs> I've always wanted to and I just just never have. So maybe by recommending this to you all, I will also sit down and play it. But that game is Journey. I think Journey is a beautiful 
slow, you know, environmental game that's great for teaching players how to how to play, you know? Um, I think the thing that's intimidating for a lot of people is just the, the popular games that we see right now are typically shooters, right? Basically, you are someone with a gun and you are shooting enemies and it's very fast paced and there are lots of enemies and you can die and you can die over and over again and it might not be fun. And it's not that those games aren't good games necessarily, but I think there is a lot of requirements for games like that. And I also think sometimes the nature of that game can be very toxic. I think we've heard this a lot before, talking online, especially if you are not a man, can be rough. It's hard to recommend shooters sometimes, even though I do have fun with shooters. But I, I also recognize that maybe uh, I have I have hardened <laughs> because of them uh, and that stuff is what I expect and so for someone that's entirely new who wants to play Fortnite like maybe you've heard of Fortnite before and you're like what is this game I want to try it it sounds fun but it looks like a lot you know um, for one I encourage you to play it if you want to play it if it's if it's interesting to you I really do recommend you sit down and try it if you can because it will feel intimidating and you won't understand everything at first. And that's fine. Because as you keep playing, you'll keep improving and you'll start understanding it like it's its own language. You know, as much as I'm kind of harking, harping on, uh, on, for, on shooters, I think if you want to play them, you, you just have to sit down and play them. And I do hope you have fun when you do that. <laughs> so speaking of shooters, I do have one that I recommend. You can play this offline, you can play this in single player mode, as, as is a lot of shooters, you can actually play them by yourself. You don't have to worry about toxicity online. But this one has a very, you know, big fondness in my heart, um, and that is Uncharted. So Uncharted is a third person shooter, so you can see the character, his name is Nathan Drake, um, and it is a shooter, so most of the time you are shooting enemies or you are climbing up buildings. <laughs> um, Uncharted is a game that I found probably in 2014, somewhere around there. I was starting to really dislike big games, also known as triple A uh, title games, because, you know, even though they have the most funding and they have the biggest companies backing them and they have a bajillion employees, I just didn't think these games were any good. And yet they were getting so much attention and recognition. All the reviews were saying they were the greatest. But I felt like the smaller games, the indie titles, were really where games were starting to shine. And so I was starting to feel resentment towards these AAA titled games that I thought didn't deserve any attention. And I still kind of feel that way. So anyway, um, at some point, I didn't have a console. I didn't have a PlayStation. And so I watched a lot of games on YouTube, games that I knew I just couldn't play at the time because I couldn't afford it. And I started to watch Uncharted and I really fell in love with the story. And if it looked like a fun game to play, it's very reminiscent of Indiana Jones. If you've watched an Indiana Jones, movie and you've always thought hey I kind of want to jump around and look for ancient stuff that's what Uncharted is um, there's an easy medium hard you can make it very easy if you want um, very customizable it won't punish you for doing that and I think the story is pretty good I still have my gripes about Uncharted um, but 
I do also recommend it. I think it's a great introduction into shooters because when I first played Uncharted, I was not good. <laughs> but I was playing by myself. Single player stories, no one cares. Die all you want, you know? So those are the, what were those, five, four, I don't know, games that I recommend. <laughs> so the last question, speaking of games, comes from Barbara again, and she asks, are there visual games you like or partial to being a writer? And the answer is yes, unequivocally, yes. I love visual novels. Um, I love... I love them. I've made one. <laughs> I've made my own visual novel. I plan on making another visual novel. I love visual novels for a lot of reasons. One, you know, they focus a lot on story and on writing, things that I love. But two, they're very easy to make compared to other games. Visual novels require very little program knowledge, if any. I made my visual novel with no program programming knowledge. Really all you need is art and words and there are programs to to make those things come together and for that i am always always thankful for the visual novel my favorite visual novel is the ace attorney series i love a mystery i love a killing <laughs> and so um the the ace attorney series are kind of like court drama um you follow an attorney who is investigating typically a murder you have a uh, defendant who is, you know, everyone thinks he's guilty for whatever reason, and you have to prove that he's not guilty. And it's a great puzzle game. It's a great for mystery. These mysteries are always ridiculous. Like, it's not just like, oh, who shot him? It's more like, oh, who told the, the bird to crow so that it would rain so then he would fall and then he'd just die? It's just something ridiculous. <laughs> it's always a Rube Goldberg machine kind of murder. It's very fun and I really recommend it. Another great visual novel is another mystery. Um, people compare these two games all the time, though I think they are very different, but that is Danganronpa. And that one's another murder mystery type of game, except it's with students, they're trapped in a school, and they basically start killing each other and you have to figure out who killed who and why. Um, it's, I would say it's much darker than Ace Attorney, even though Ace Attorney is also about murder mystery. There's a lot of levity in it, a lot of jokes, a lot of silliness. Danganronpa, I mean, it has its jokes, but I would say it's definitely kind of that darker game. But I love visual novels. There's obviously, there's a lot of visual novels that are about dating, dating simulators. Um, those are fun too. I'm not necessarily the hugest fan of dating simulators because I don't know, they just don't do anything for me. But um, but in general, a visual novel, I'm like always, I'm always on board for. I will read it, I will watch it, <laughs> I just, I'll do it. So I think that's it for questions. I think that's it for answers and I gave you all background. So it looks like there's gonna be a season two. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, I really wanna do a season two. Um, I have new guests that I, that I want to bring to the season and have you all listen to and love as much as I love them. And obviously I would like to take a break. I would like to just pause and not interview anyone, not record anything. But season two has already been scheduled and I plan for it to come out on April 30th. Just kidding. 
I'm actually having it out April 1st on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so please expect the first episode of season two to be out April 1st. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for letting me ramble and kind of talk because I didn't have a time to talk for myself and I really appreciated it. So thank you all and I'll see you all next season. Bye-bye.